This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Now, when you think of defensive disasters involving City this season, you wouldn't think that it's actually City who benefited. But strange things do happen from time to time, and last Friday is possibly the exception that proves the rule. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon Podcast Champions League edition, where we're looking at the upcoming mini-tournament in Lisbon. The performance against Real Madrid last weekend was possibly City's best in the competition, so we'll be dissecting why that was, and we'll also look ahead to the match with Leon on Saturday. David Silva is in the spotlight as he says goodbye to the Etihad, plus French football expert Eric Dev gives us some insights into City's opposition this weekend. I'm your host, David Mooney. With me this week is Mail Sports' Jack Gorn. Hello, mate. You all right? I'm not too bad, thanks. And uh, City fan Alan Phoenix-Bates. How do you do, Dave? Long time no speak, Alan. Indeed, indeed. Yes, it's where, been a while. I was going to say, where are you these days? Last time I heard, last time we saw, we saw each other, you were playing ukulele outside the Etihad, which isn't happening anymore. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I must be the only person chosen to be a pundit on a football match based on knowing seven chords on the ukulele, which uh, <laughs> at least allows me to play 230% of status quo's output, <laughs> which is something. Even the tricky stuff like margarita time. But uh, no, I'm, I'm up in Scotland these days, actually. Ah, well, do you get to many games then in that case? Do you make the journey? <laughs> I have been known to, but it, it, oh, it's arduous. It's really arduous, you know. So, uh, yeah, it don't get down too often. It, it, England, England feels like it's on the moon sometimes these days. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah. just it's not just to the Scots. Let me put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with uh, the, the the quality of performance that City put in against uh, Madrid, Jack, because I, City were very good, weren't they? Yeah, it was, uh, they were really complete, weren't they? I thought the second half they were uh, they were excellent, and they kind of completely controlled the game didn't um didn't give up any any chances they looked quite solid everyone knew the roles and i just like just thought there was a bit more energy about them than there has been in the last few months um well sorry this season just generally um and that's obviously a positive going into are we calling it the final tournament or the mini tournament uh, i i think it's a mini tournament yeah I think you're way for calling it the final tournament, as if it's like the final countdown or something. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought they were. It is I, Europe. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, Real Madrid made mistakes, obviously, but I think they were forced into making some of the mistakes. Um, and yeah, it was one of the better, better displays in a knockout game uh, we've witnessed under under Guardiola, I think. I was going to say, Alan, it, it was it was very much a case of City forcing those errors from from Madrid. I mean, the, the the two Varane errors are the ones that stand out, but but he only made them because Jesus was right on his tail. Uh, well, well, absolutely. But then uh, that seemed to be the plan from um, from the get go. Really, I mean, on the, in the fifth minute, um, Foden was right in Varane's face straight away. Although I don't think there's any any justification for the amount of time Varane took on the ball before uh, he got mugged by. Um, by Gabriel Jesus, you know, it was, um, there's, there's, there's a character in years ago, in Vic Reeves' Big Night Out, Mr. Dennis, and he used to, um, it didn't sell curly whirlies because they were far too elaborate. Now that's how I feel <laughs> the, the art of the fullback gets sometimes, you know, I, I, there was a bit of me thinking if I was a Real Madrid fan, I'd be shouting, just punt it, you know, and there's a place, there's still a place for that as Rodri proved later in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's it, 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 it's that 
that kind of pressing game, do you feel that's been partly what City have been missing this season, Alan? I, mean, I think, well, there's, there was more of a presence to their, pe- their pressing. Although I do think they've been, they've been pretty good. I mean, since, since the, uh, the season restarted, they've been pretty good on home territory. There's a joke about empty seats, which I'm not going to make. I'm not going to let you make it. Don't no, worry. Don't, don't, let, don't let me. Don't let me. Don't let me. I'm just putting it out there that I was aware. I was aware that that is that these things are said. Uh, but um, you know, there's been a, they've been pretty present overall since the um, since since the restart. So certainly at home, away from home, they've looked a little bit more hesitant at times and confused if teams don't roll over. But um, you know, I, I think that we're we're looking at here on on the night. It was simply the fact that somehow City were about ten times more awake than um, Madrid were. You know, it, it's you could see that in the first few minutes they were both attempting the same kind of game, but there was there was more intensity. They were more switched on, and that stayed right through the first half. And as was said. As has been said already, it, it turned up a notch in the second. The second half was just out of this world, I thought. Jack, I'd still have to, and I hate to come to you for the negative uh, angle on this one, but I still have to. I'm here for, I, I, I still have to scratch my head at, at one <laughs> error, one goal conceded. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just let him. No one, no one really picks him up. They, he was allowed to like pop the ball off and then just like saunter into the box. Uh, I think Rodri might have passed him on, and then no one picked him up. And you like look at someone like Fernandinho, who should have should have attacked the cross a little bit better. But then, is that because he's been out of the team and he's out of rhythm? So maybe you could give him a little bit of a pass on it. You know, I'm I'm not so sure because I mean, are people talking about the the error on the the error on the flanks before the cross came in? Was there an error there, or was um, was Rodrigo just very very good in um, catching Cancelo flat footed? You know, other footballers have skill too. You know, uh, yeah, there is, there is that. I mean, there's there's very much an element of of uh, Cancelo was on the wrong side though, because he's he's a he's naturally a right sided player, and it just yes. it didn't look like he like he was like like tearing into position. No, it was. Well, I think once once he got there, I mean, he he I think he got sold a bit, didn't he? Because he put his foot in one place, and he just seemed to be miles away from the ball in absolutely no time, you know. So, But I think that's as much Rodrigo's skill as it was any kind of error on, um, you know, Cancelo's part. I, I, you know, I was, I was straining. I was watching a replay of the game last night, uh, making notes that uh, seemed to have been dictated by a man with a dental abscess to a spider with gout. <laughs> but, um, I'm still trying to make sense of them, but... Uh, yeah, I, I I looked at it. I thought, was there an error there, really? Or, you know, there was the. I think that was one of the few particularly good um, showings from Real Madrid, who, who I think lacked teeth up front and were far too languid in defence. But at that point, they looked snappy for a few seconds. I mean, it showed what they're capable of. Yeah, um, Jack. I want to I want to talk a little bit more about Gabriel Jesus though, because uh, we mentioned him before and, uh, and the pressing that he put on uh, Varane that that effectively caused City's two goals. Um, th- I feel like this was one of his best displays in a City shirt. He's, he's had his critics, but this this kind of proved what he can do, didn't it? Yeah, I did. Guardiola said after that he was he was the man of, man of the tie of both legs because people forget how good he was at the Bernabeu as well. 
um, playing off the left. I thought that, I thought actually that was his best game in a City shirt, the the away tie. I thought he was, he was brilliant that night. I kind of love watching him play from wide. I think that's he might actually be more suited to that um, long term. I know he played through the middle in you know for bits of uh, for bits of Friday night as well, but he just you just want that consistency out of him. You want him to do that for five or six games on the trot and he's never really put a proper run of games together yet. Um, but Friday would Friday and the first leg were, were proof of of his worth because obviously there's quite a lot of people that are suggesting they should use him as a make weight to go and get someone else um, and swap him with uh, for uncles. But he's, he, he does have a place in the squad. I just don't think he has a place in a starting eleven. Moving forward, even, even when even when they replace Aguero, I don't I don't think. Even though, like even the critics of his finishing, like, like the finish for the for the for the winning goal was a good finish. Even Courtois should probably have done better. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. But yeah. it's a good finish. Mm. It's, po- it's poachers finish, isn't it? But that that's it's what you expect from someone who who plays for Manchester City. He's playing in the last sixteen of the Champions League. You would expect him to put that away if you give him that sort of opportunity. Um, and it was a brilliant finish, but that. Is what he needs to be. That's what he needs to be doing on a regular basis. And he hasn't scored. I don't. He hasn't scored enough goals this year. He's got twenty three this year, but he's played fifty two games, which is as many as anyone. Which I was quite surprised about. That he's. I think there's only Bernardo that's played fifty two alongside uh, Jesus. He's played more than Sterling. Um, is twenty three enough for a season? Probably not. He probably want five or six more. But then again, do you, you think he? He's just going to improve with time. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm of the I'm of the school of thought that I think he will improve with time. You know, I think it, as you pointed out, uh, he's um, there are two there are two positions in which you can play um, Gabriel Jesus, aren't there? Really, there's uh, there's a straight through the middle, and then there's um, playing wider. And um, it's do you think we've not really worked out which is the best of those two positions to play in? No, I think he's definitely got the tenacity to play out wide, which is what I what impresses me most about him actually when I watch him in that position. He's not really had the opportunity to thrive there yet, I don't think. He's barely played I think I could be completely wrong, but is it just against Real Madrid he's played wide that, left? That's the, the only start? time I can think for this season. I th- I I think a co- once or twice in previous years. But off but the top of my head, like, I can't remember when. Well, you can take in those you know, if that if that's your sample size, then it's not a bad it's not the yeah, it's not bad at all, really, is it? I mean, I think it's, it's maybe maybe that's maybe that's where he's more comfortable um, coming in from coming in from um, you know wider positions. It, it could be that we haven't found the best of him simply because we haven't put him in the best place. I was going to say, Alan, as well. It, it's hard for him to be Aguero's deputy because I mean, City. Well, not just City. The Premier League hasn't seen a striker like Aguero before. No. So, like, how how do you sit behind someone who is that good? It is. It is. It is really difficult. I mean, this, there's a lot of you know. Uh, I, I can't help thinking that compare. You know, he's he's going to obviously he's his own person, but you know, comparisons are going to be they're going to weigh heavy on you, aren't they? Do you not think? Yeah, I mean, I I I don't know how you kind of cope with that pressure because yeah. so like once once Aguero leaves, if, if if Jesus is the de facto replacement, and then they bring somebody else in, that like the pressure on his shoulders is going to be huge. Oh, it's absolutely immense, isn't it? And he he always strikes me as a shall we say a more sensitive player 
than Aguero is, that you get the feeling things will bounce off Aguero's character and maybe don't bounce off um, Gabriel so easily. You know, he's, he's carried the weight of his shoulders, or is it just the fact that he always looks like he's going to, he looks like he's going to burst into tears at any second? And I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. He always has that, even when he's happy. I find that very, very strange. But no, I sense a sense of frailty in um, his emotional side to a degree. Um, he's, you know, with, with Aguero, always looks bulletproof, doesn't he? Whereas I think there's. It's a matter of uh, he's a confidence player, um, Gabriel Jesus. I think, and it's a matter of uh, what we really need to do is find out where he is most confident and play him in there consistent, consistently. And I think, as uh, as we've both sort of were implying here, it could be that uh, a spell out wide could be very fruitful for him. He's a very very sensitive guy, and beats himself up about his about his yeah. record. Um, I think he said to us once that. He'd not scored for a few games from it, and he said he wanted to shoot himself in the head. And he actually said those words. Good and Lord. it's like, you're right, he does have the weight of the world on his shoulders sometimes. Mm. Um, and it, it can't be. Yeah, you it, see it in his body language, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Like you can't, like you've got Aguero, Sergio Aguero, the club's best ever striker. Um, and yeah, you can learn loads off, off him, and it's, and it's great having him about and being able to um, feed off him. But when he's not there, people are then expect you to be of the same level. And it's unfair of people like me writing about him to, to expect him to be um, exactly as kind of prolific as, as Aguero, because it's impossible. Exactly. And, and, as, as, as we, and as we keep on coming back here, I don't think he's probably found himself yet. You know, found his his forte, if you like, his best... His, 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 it's the best way to work for him, you know. So I think it's uh, – I, I'm more than happy to be patient with him. I'm more than ha- I would love to see Pep experiment with him a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can see I can see that, that certainly in the kind of um, – in, in next season as well. If, if Aguero – if it is Aguero's last season, next season, I can see – I can certainly see with Sane leaving, uh, Jesus maybe uh, playing a little bit more in the, uh, in the wide positions. <laughs> Support for Blue Moon Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped has just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in England to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. We've all done it. We've all looked and thought, I'm going to take the sharpest thing in the bathroom and use it on the wrinkliest part of my body, and then winced at the idea and just got into the shower instead. Well, that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Yes, that is what it's called, honest. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave, though I'd suggest if you're doing it for that long, then you're probably not doing it right. And the waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, so that should keep things a little more discreet. Let's not forget about the charging stand as 
well. It's a convenient dock powered by USB. And we've got a special offer right now for Blue Moon podcast listeners. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BLUEMOON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the code BLUEMOON. Jack, I want to I want to ask about Champions League performances because um, down the years, City have had their, their breakthrough moments. I don't think they've had any like this two-legged tie with Real Madrid. This felt like, for the first time, it, like, like City had grown up in the competition. Mm, PSG was a big night, wasn't it? I, yeah. But I, 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 it's, it's undermined a little bit by the way they played against Madrid after that, I think. Uh, yeah, but then uh, Madrid last Friday might be undermined by the way they play against Leon. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I completely. Yeah, oh, stop you, using you, logic. You're <laughs> right. I mean, it was a massive. Yeah, it was. A, it was a huge moment, and it wasn't the win. It was the way they won. Um, and I go back to go back to the first leg uh, with the way they played and the uh, kind of tactical changes, and they they, they deserve to to leave Madrid with more than a one-goal advantage. And people can point towards the substitutes and how Sterling changed the game, but I just think everything, the way they set up and the way they played for 70 minutes before before that point, they should have been ahead before Madrid scored. Um, and that was a real indicator to me that they were able to kind of control these sort of games now. Whereas, I mean, again, like... Liverpool with Spurs I'm, last year. Yeah, like, last I'm, few I'm, ready, I'm ready to be proven wrong on Saturday, but um, the the two Madrid games felt completely different to to Liverpool, Tottenham, and, and Monaco. Yes, definitely, definitely. There was there was just a sense of being in control, um, being present both to the opportunities but to the dangers as well, and the way that Madrid just were not. I think it's. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's absolutely right. I mean, we're going to be talking about Lyon in more detail later, but um, I think that uh, it's going to, be, you know, we could well, this could this could well be a defining moment. It, but, but but it's a tough it's a tough half of the draw to go through, really. It really That's is, um, and I, I, I think. The worry for that so far for the draw is uh, is what I was going to come back to, Alan, is that uh, like, despite the control that City had, City still wasted a lot of good chances on Friday. Well, you know, I've got a little thing here, I've got a little scroll here that says, wasted chances, or is Courtois actually quite good, I'd written. You know, I thought, I thought um, Courtois had a good game, in spite of concede as far as far as letting in two goals I mean, well, he's never kept a clean sheet against city has he he hasn't no no so uh, at least you can say he's on form in that basis <laughs> but uh, no i i thought it could have been much much more embarrassing for real madrid than it actually was um courtois was one of the more ple- one of the more present players on the pitch and um there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't much he could have done when you've got um, when, when you've got some, the, the second the second goal, for example. He was just oh, he was just just left it left nowhere with that header, wasn't he? Really, but uh, no, there was the chance that Sterling, the chance that Sterling had that uh, there was people were saying was snatched and rushed, but I didn't see it as that. I mean, you know, 
Uh, Courtois could have hand to it. It could have well stuck in by the post. You know, it, it could all sorts of things. There were a lot of moments in that game that uh, I thought that um, Courtois managed to, uh, shall we say, spare the blushes in. So uh, wasted chances, not so sure. Good goalkeeping, and there was there was some good defending. It just didn't come from one particular person. I I, I think as well though, Jack. It, it's. Maybe it's okay to to have, in, in Alan's words, have a good goalkeeping performance for the opposition when it, when your defence is all right. Okay, City made that that one error, but other than that, Madrid were at arm's length for the entire game. Yeah, I mean, with the wasted chances, it's always been the same with City. When they score two, it should be four. When they score four, it should be six, and when they score six, it should be ten. Like the the they waste chances every game, and but that's because they create so many. Um, and it's about, I take Sterling snatching at his, at his chance, for example. The only reason they've made that chance is because he's in the position to start with. So the the positive thing is that the all the the front three are always well positioned to um, arrive late or spin off a man, which means they'll always create chances, and so they'll always give themselves the best best possible opportunity of winning matches. Um, and yeah, I mean, on Friday. Um, Friday night, the, the def- defensive unit, not just the back four, but the unit as a whole, were were on it. Um, but even when they're not, City should City should have enough of the ball and create enough chances to to win ninety percent of the matches that they play. Yeah, Let, let's talk on Sterling actually, because Jack, you've you've been writing about him um, this week. He, he he's faced the criticism of not being clinical enough, uh, and yet. He's got his eyes set on a particular city record. Yeah, I didn't realise this. I just stumbled across this stat last week. So he's on 31 goals now and nobody has scored more than 33 for City since 1972 when Franny Lee got 35. Good grief. Which I was just like flabbergasted by. Um, and for Ra- like Raheem Sterling to be even anywhere near that record uh, is just a testament to, to his improvement over the last three years. Um, and he doesn't, I don't, I, I don't think he gets the, the credit he deserves. I don't know why that is. Um, even after that piece went up uh, on Wednesday night, I usually don't look at the comments on mail online because it's not worth the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> What I did, I was interested with Sterling because I was like wondering what the kind of reaction would be. It was all tapping merchant, tapping merchant, tapping merchant, and it's quite a lot of it was tapping merchant. Quite a lot of it was well, look at all the chances that he misses, and it's like well, you you can't do do a guy down who scored thirty one goals in fifty one games, the majority of which has been from wide on the left. And it's just like they're just they're astonishing numbers, and if he does it for the next. If he does this consistently for the next three years, then he's in a he's in a, in a completely different realm to any English player of however many decades. I honestly didn't realise as well from reading that piece just just how much the Champions League exit last year had affected him as well. Yeah, they said it on um, Gary Lineker said it on BT on Friday night that he'd asked for the um, he'd asked for the tape to ask for the video of the Tottenham game. Um, I'm not sure that Sterling wanted that to come out, actually. Uh, but nevertheless, it did. Um, 
so he kind of rewatched that. And what he does is when he gets his clips of matches or get his clips of training that like the club send to, to the whole squad, he'll basically sit down with his with his iPhone and just take take notes um on what he could do better, what what he liked and where he could improve. And he did that with he did that with the Spurs game and just wanted to wanted that feeling of loss. because uh, he's kind of told people that Tottenham was the worst night of his professional life. Um, and he wanted to feel that before the Real Madrid game, which is kind of spurring, I suppose, not just spurring him on it, spurring on the, the rest of the squad, the way some of them talk about it. They, they, they feel like they've got real unfinished business in that competition. Um, but it, it just goes to show the, the sort of granular detail that these top players go into to, to improve themselves. Yeah, Alan. When you hear Sterling talked about like that, and and sort of like what 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 he does, it just it, it just shows a, a young man who's working really hard. Well, yeah, absolutely, and um, it's also. I mean, you think about when we were starting to build the team after the takeover, and all the um, the criticisms that were levelled at City that um, people were just. You know, we were we were buying mercenaries, and um, you know what we're actually doing is we're we're paying for people with that sort of attitude. We're paying for professional professionals, if you like. If that doesn't sound too silly a phrase, <laughs> you know. But um, this this is what we're this is what we're paying for. We're paying for people who they feel it when they lose. I mean, think back to the um, the Amazon documentary. And some of the shots of uh, uh, the disappointments of the season, you know, um, against Liverpool, for example, you know, the the, re- that, the the I want my club's players to feel like that. I mean, I, you, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a particularly negative supporter when it comes to football. I, I like to support my team and I like to trust that defeat will sting for me and I don't have to harry them over it. I'm disappointed. I know they'll be gutted and they'll be wanting to do better. So, you know, it's, it's, it is good to see that sort of granular detail, as we say, being, um, take, being taken into account when, uh, when defeats are are suffered, because um, I think that this is—I mean, people are saying this is our best chance of winning the Champions League this season, and there isn't any room for um, amateur hour stuff. You know, this is the this is we have to be the most focused we've ever been. And sometimes this season we've lacked a little bit of focus. This. I think this stops here. Yeah. yeah. Um, final word for for the Madrid game um, because Carl Walker had uh, possibly his uh, again possibly his best game in a City shirt. I thought he was phenomenal that night, Alan. Oh, yeah, his speed, his speed, and I tell you, what, there was one thing that really, really amused me. This is one for the old hands from the nineteen nineties. He did something that reminded me of my old days at Main Road. Uh, there was he had a lovely bursting run at one point, and then he absolutely smashed the ball over. And it was to, that reminded me of four people of, of Steve McMahon. He used to do that every game. <laughs> I'm going to say Terry Phelan. <laughs> no, no, every, no, every game there'd be this 
every game, he'd get the ball, he'd be a little bit outside the box, smash the ball, somebody in row Z would go, ouch, my nose. The entire Kipax would go, way, And he'd turn around, put his hands above his head and clap the Kipax. <laughs> and it was like a little ritual, you know. And it reminded me of that. But, but speaking seriously, no, I, I think he did, he did have an absolutely excellent game. He was... What I liked the most, he was controlled. There was nothing about him that felt rash or felt that there was going to be a red mist descend at any, at any point. He felt clinical. He did. Um, I was going to say, Jack, he's had his critics this season. But, I mean, again, I, that, that to me, it feels like it's largely unfair. I feel like he's had a pretty good season. I don't think on the pitch you can criticise him at all. Um, I think he's had a very good year. Uh, and stands up to has always stood up to competition, stood up to Danilo, has seen Danilo off, and Cancelo's barely had a sniff, really. I mean, there are reasons for reasons for that, and that Cancelo's not been flavour of the month uh, much, has he, because of his character and attitude, and hasn't really been best pleased with sitting on the bench, um, which has meant Walker's played probably more than they were envisaging initially. But he, I think he's been he's been great. He wants to get... Uh, he was. I was told that he was... England were probably going to call him up for the for the games in March, uh, and he's got his eyes on getting back into that squad and thinks thinks he will. And funnily enough, you're saying about a piece on Steele, and I've actually had to write one on Walker today for Friday's paper as well. So this is quite um, quite timely. Um, it's just, I think there's been three standout performances that. Uh, Project restart for City. One of them Sterling, the other one's De Bruyne, and the third one is Walker. And I'm not really sure. I'm not sure many City fans could really argue with that. I think he's been no, brilliant. I agree. I absolutely agree. It's uh, yeah. There's been there's been a a focus in his game just lately. That's been absolutely uh, astounding to see his his physical presence and his his coolness on and off the ball is and this and of course that lightning speed as well he's got such an incredible sprint speed you know it's uh absolutely it's just yeah i think any any criticism of walker is um is is for those who wish to miss the mark completely i think tactically he just gets it as well i think yes whenever he's asked to do something he does it Yes. Um, and none of it's a massive surprise. Like if you know, if you ask him to be a inverted fullback for the for the night, like he was on Friday, he just yeah. does it. But does it with no fuss, so no one really notices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the passion easy. for the celebration when that second goal went in, Alan. I don't know if you've seen the video, but it's fantastic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, these mercenaries who care nothing for the club, eh? quite well we're going to talk about another one of those now because the nine minute cameo from David Silva last Friday was as a final appearance at the Etihad in a City shirt in a competitive game at least Uh, there are plans for a proper send off when it's safe for fans to return to stadiums but for now it's goodbye to the playmaker who's been a crucial part of City's success over the last decade behind closed doors I've been looking at the legacy that he leaves behind Your breath and count to ten. 
Sometimes it's hard to say goodbye. The black and white photo was a, a real tug at the heartstrings, wasn't it? I think I speak for all City fans when I say that was a very sad moment. My principal emotion was pride at how this wonderful, wonderful footballer was given the best years of his career to City. As Richard Burns explains, it's not just the City fans who are waving David Silva off. We sort of think it was as fans having one last look at David Silva. But then Silva posts that picture and it's like, God, yeah, he has to have one last look at the Etihad. Dan Burke feels honoured to have seen a player of Silva's quality at the Etihad for so long. We could have played for any club we wanted to, but I think it speaks volumes about the culture that's been created at City that a player like David Silva didn't feel like he needed to play for anyone else. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk when we sign players like Silva, Yaya Torre and Sergio Aguero, that they were just mercenaries who were only coming to City for the money. But, you know, 10 years down the line, they've made loads of brilliant history and made a few people eat their words, I think. Adam Carter thinks it's been harder to deal with because of how long Silva's exit has been planned. We've not had to deal with these kind of exits where we've known they've been coming for such a long time, but this one's been really drawn out and just with each passing day it gets a bit more sad, really. Looking back through Silva's career, he actually played at the Etihad before he signed for City in 2010. It was for Valencia in the Thomas Cook Trophy where he scored the only goal of the game. Neda Manua was in City's team that day back in 2007. I just remember thinking, like, we thought we were going to be good at City, but oh lord, were they good. You're the only one of us that's, that's ever got near to playing with him. What was he like? Oh wow, to be fair, you say that, I didn't get that close either. I tried my best, but, you know, he's just he's David Silva. He's... he's do you know what he is? So he's he's a magician. While we all think of the moments of skill or his goals and assists, Anua says that Silva has a much more rounded view of his performances. When I spoke to Joe Hart about David Silva, he said like David could play the best pass you've ever seen in the history of the world, like say he's volley through to Zeko, to Zeko, whatever, at Old Trafford. But after the game, all he want to talk about is a moment where maybe he made a tackle or won a header. So if he's not going to do it, let's us do it. Let's celebrate Silva's highlights at City, starting off with his first ever goal. It was away at Red Bull Salzburg in the Europa League in just his seventh game, and shock horror, it was with his right foot. That Salzburg goal in that lovely Umbro kit, only David could conjure up something that special for being such a one-footed player to actually create that with his right foot. The more standout goal though was five games later against Blackpool. It was kind of a Messi-esque dribble, cut pack, you think he's going to shoot there and then he sends Charlie for another pint of milk, Charlie Adam then sends him for another one then finally slots it into the far corner. Uh, something we've not really seen since like King Cladzi or maybe a bit from Benabia so we were really Oh, that really opened our eyes as to what David could bring. His first season was a major success. In his 50th appearance, he helped City qualify for the Champions League for the first ever time. Then, in his 51st, he won the FA Cup. Early in the next season was that classic assist for Edin Dzeko too in the 6-1 derby win at Old Trafford. He receives the ball in such an unlikely position to play that pass, but he receives it with his, his body shape being impeccable times it wonderfully on the volley in a position that made it harder for Dzeko to miss than to score. The title followed at the end of that year, with the second title not far off under new manager Manuel Pellegrini. The performance that stands out in that 2014 season was away at Hull. Not just because he scored his best ever goal that day, but just the way he majestically pulled the strings from midfield. I think City also needed a leader in that game after Vincent Kompany got himself sent off, and I feel like Silva really led by example that day, as he always did. Um, I'm still in shock that he took a shot from that far out. So, you know, this is a this is a guy I've seen pass from 
from inside the six-yard box before now. The next season, Silva marked his 200th appearance for City with two goals against Crystal Palace, before scoring again on his 250th. Unbelievably, it wasn't until Pep Guardiola's second season that he scored his first goal at Wembley, as he won his third League Cup with the club. I think 2017-18 has to be considered Silva's best overall season for City. Uh, you know, he was going through his hair transplant, he had all the difficulties going on off the pitch with his son being born prematurely, and there were times when he wasn't even training with the team, and yet he was consistently putting in 9 or 10 out of 10 performances every week. Um, including that goal against Arsenal in the League Cup, finally got 10 goals that season, which was one of his best scoring seasons for the club, 14 assists as well, and he even made it into the Premier League team of the season, which was uh, a rarity for some reason. With Guardiola, he's won everything but the Champions League, and that could still change this season. There's a school of thought that David Silva might not be a pet player, and it's easy to say now that that sounds a bit daft, in terms of how Pep likes his players to play, um, Silva facilitates everything. That attacking player gets deep, he mucks in, he works hard. So it's yeah, in, in retrospect you can say that we, I suppose we should have seen it coming. A 3-0 win over Wolves in 2019 gave Silva the record for the most appearances in a City shirt in the Premier League past Joe Hart. Here's Adam Carter again from the Stat City website. If anyone deserves it then it's David. Uh, never a concern off the pitch and always does the right thing on the pitch. A, pro- a star will Never ever forget, a player will never be repeated. His final appearance at the Etihad, that 2-1 win over Real Madrid, was his 435th for City. One more will draw him level with former defender Willy Donaghy and take Silva into the top 10 appearance makers for the club. Two more gives him the 10th spot outright, and Donaghy isn't unhappy to drop to 11th in his place. Just to be talked about in the same breath as him is an honour for me, because he's been a fantastic player for City, won so many things, it's been brilliant for the club, but his just behaviour on the pitch has been superb, what a gentleman. He says it shows what Silva has brought to City. I'll be delighted for him, especially in the modern day when loyalty isn't so prevalent, to make that number of games at one club is fantastic and I'll be pleased if they get more and more players like that, especially as I said. In modern society, where there's a lack of loyalty, it will show that Man City are being successful when they're looking after the players. All of that depends on Silva playing against Leon and then City making it further into the Champions League. However it ends for him and for City this season, it's fair to say that the last decade has been an absolute blast for both the fans and everybody connected to City. One more time, I'm Clyde Tilsley. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, and all that. Yeah, that Clyde Tilsley. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon podcast. Enjoy. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Of course, with the news that it's looking like Lazio, where David Silva will move on to, then it might not actually be his final competitive appearance at the Etihad. Uh, all it takes is a meeting between the two sides in the Champions League in, in years to come, Alan. So we, we, yeah. it might it might not be it. Exactly. I mean, uh, uh, wouldn't that be a funny, bittersweet moment? Horrid. Really? It'd be absolutely horrid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's... it's. Um, I mean, he's got to get... It should should that happen? Should, should he get... should. Should the gods of probability um, pull that one off? And let's face it, the gods of probability can be fairly cruel to us at times. 
Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a bit. It's yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to get a hero's welcome, isn't he? And uh, if he can you, if can he, you imagine the Etihad booing his every touch? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> In a word, no. Yeah. It's just not going to, it's just not going to happen. But um seeing him in a city not seeing him in another club shirt and it is going to be it's going to be a very, very sad moment for me. Um you know, it feels As a as a fan, what what does it mean to have had someone of his quality at the club for so long? Um it's vindicating, isn't it? I mean, um, even I mean, back when I was a kid, and people used to um, laugh at me. Uh, well, one of the reasons they used to laugh at me, anyway, was for supporting Manchester City, and they laughed even more when I said, "Look, we might not be the best we've ever been just lately, but we will be back." And I think even in the doldrums of the second division, people believed that and that the when the takeover came as that when when people when when clubs were being scouted out for this sort of money to be poured in i think there's there's there is there is that feeling about city full stop that we're a, a big club that just never stopped believing we were a big club Sounds like yeah. Stockholm syndrome to me, you know. <laughs> yeah, to a degree, it might well be. Are we city? Are we city fans because we feel like this, or do we feel like this because we're city fans? I yeah. don't know. But you know, it, it's it's vindicating. It kind of proves the point we all had all along. You know, that given the right conditions, a player like this, and goodness knows, he's you know he, he's. I mean, in many ways, he's a quicksilver player. You know, you can't pin him down so easily. You wrote an article not so long ago where you said he wasn't a YouTube player. And I nodded furiously at this because Silver's best moments for me are when he's ghosting around the pitch, popping up in places where you wouldn't think. When he's in the right place at the right time, he has that ability to see a football pitch from above. Does that make sense? I get it entirely. It's incredible. It's, um, a, it's this 3D thing, that the best 3D vision of the of the game that all professional players have to a degree, but he's spooky. He always was something else. Jack, I hate to bring this one to you, knowing that knowing full well that uh, who you support, but some of his highlights. Oh, I've been reading um, the notes. I can't believe you're doing this to me. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> sorry, um, but but that that goal against Blackpool is the one that stands out for many people. Horrendous um, defending. <laughs> it's just incredible football. You can't you can't defend against that. I'm sorry. No, I was stood in the <laughs> sat in the sat in the stands watching it, um, thinking, flipping out, who the hell is this guy? Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, he's just been magnificent, hasn't he, for 10 years. David Silver's a sort of player that you just run out of things to say. It's all, everything to say, everything you need to say about Silver's already been said a million times before. He's just, he's an owl. He's got eyes at the back of his head. He's like, it's, he's been, it's been a real privilege to be able to watch him. Particularly, yeah. so I've, 
moved up from Manchester, uh, moved up from London four years ago, just before Pep arrived, and to see like you knew, and before that, I didn't really obviously didn't really watch City live that much. Before that, you knew Silva was a fantastic player, but after it, and then to see how his role has changed under Guardiola has just actually been ace. It's one of the best things about the job. Yeah. I've loved it. Do do owls have eyes in the back of the head, or can they just turn the head round? Well, you just turn, turn the head round. Yeah, round. it's more turn the head round. I prefer to think of him as having an invisible set of drones above the picture. <laughs> you know, it's just the only way is it. You know, it's all feeding back to him, so he knows exactly where people aren't. You mentioned before about him coming back, and it might not be, you know, might not be his last game at the Etihad. You remember the Zabaleta uh, game when he came back with West Ham? Well, West Ham not getting absolutely battered that day, and he came off or came on. And the whole ground stood as one. Yeah, yeah. It's That's... it's it's destined to happen for if he comes. Whoever of that that kind of twenty twelve to fourteen era comes back, they're they're destined to uh, to to get that sort of uh, reception. Um, Alan, the, the one thing I didn't mention in that piece uh, because there was no time to fit it in was uh, a goal he scored against Queens Park Rangers. Um, the only reason that stands out to me is because of such a good photograph in that black and white kit that is like a really nice kit where he's jumped up in the air with his fist in the air in front of the floodlight. Oh yes, that was my God. That was my that was my phone wallpaper for the longest time. Yeah, but yeah. it was it was such a, that was such a good goal. Uh, it, there's it, you don't think of David Silver and, and and that many great goals because he's, he, he no. never wants to bloody shoot, does he? But no, no, he's 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 he's, com- he's comfortable passing from inside the net, really, isn't he? It's, uh... <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that goal, yeah, it was absolutely yeah. I love that. that you know, it was, it was my it, it was my phone wallpaper for the longest time, and it was uh, it says "Hello, sexy" my wallpaper these days. Well, that's another story altogether. <laughs> but, well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get into that another time, I think. Yes, um, we'll draw. Maybe this is not the genre of podcast for that sort of revelation. <laughs> but um, you know, yeah, that QPR goal is, is is absolute elation at it. But you know, he's the most complete player I think I've ever seen. Yeah. I think um, my favourite... No pace, however. No pace. No, no pace. He, Very one-footed and can't shoot from range. Never, it doesn't make any yeah. sense, but here we are. Yeah, but, he did, but he didn't... He's never needed the pace because he's not, he already knows where he's going. Yeah, if that makes sense. He's, he's, his decisions are made so so um, in advance of many of, of, of the players on the pitch. He doesn't need that pace to be where he needs to be. Yeah, it's like a massive, like a massive game of chess. Yes, yeah, it's like the best. It's like the best snooker player, isn't it? You five, you five shots ahead, aren't you? When you're taking, yes, yeah, yes, definitely, definitely, five shots ahead, and that's always the way he's been. He's, he's he, it, that's just in the right place at the right time. So many times, it's been a privilege to watch him. Jack, you were going to say your your favourite moment was it? Yeah, I was kind of. <sighs> Swan, Swansea away a couple of years ago. I think it was the Centurion season. They won four nil, but Silver scored like two goals you'd never expect him to. Like the first one, he both times he'd gone beyond Aguero, which he'd not really done that much the season before, and it was real kind of like almost like striker's instinct. The first one he was just like picked, just like kneading across, and it's like what the hell's he doing in a six yard box? He just like ghosted from nowhere. And then the other one was he played like a lovely one-two with Sterling and dinked it over the keeper. And it's just like, I don't know, he just seemed to add a bit more goal-scoring threat 
to his to his game over the last couple of years. Um, that gave him an extra. I mean, he didn't need an extra dimension, but it just it was another string to his to his bow. Um, being able to or wanting to to run beyond the the striker with like kind of more regularity, I suppose. I could be wrong, but it felt like he was do- he's been doing that a little bit more. I remember the dink. I didn't really remember the the first goal, but it was a. Uh, I, I do I do remember that as one of the standout games that that he had that season, and he had a lot that season as well. Um, when the full time whistle went on Friday night, though, all eyes turned to the last few minutes of the tie between Juventus and Lyon. Fans breathed a sigh of relief that it was the French side who'd battled through winning on the away goals rule to set up a tie with City this weekend. I've been speaking to the co chief features writer at Get French Football News, Eric Devin, to find out more about the challenge that City now face. Kratoko Okambi, uh, the, the centre forward for. Uh... For Leon spoke at a press conference this morning, and I think his optimism says as much as anything. It's, we have our chances. It's, it's one match. I think the last two times that these clubs faced each other was last year in the group stages, uh, where Leon won uh, at the Etihad and, and got a home draw. Could have won uh, at, at the at the Gruvama Stadium. So I think that uh, Leon's ability to play on the counter, uh, the pace that they have there, I think makes them a potentially dangerous opponent. And um, I, th- I think that there's Leon Field, field and rightly so, they have every chance of uh, advancing in this game. How, how much energy was taken out of Leon with that, that tie with Juventus? It looked quite a draining tie in the end. I think that, that's, that, there's certain, that's it, that is certainly a consideration. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dance around that. I think that given the fitness levels that uh, City will have, having played you know, the, the, end, the end to the uh, English season as well as the Champions League match, uh, I think make a big difference, but I think that Leon now are, are have been they were the first French team, French team back in in training uh, beginning of June. They've been playing friendlies ever since, uh, and I think have looked you know in, in the Coupe de la Ligue final and also against uh, Juventus in that round of 16 second leg uh, that they have the goods to uh, play with a bit of dynamism and to uh, and, and to but to also lock City down where appropriate. I was going to say that the end to the French uh, league w- was called very early in the uh, in, in the coronavirus pandemic. Is that going to have any effect on 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 Lyon's uh, kind of competitiveness? Because I mean, friendlies are slightly different to, to actually playing competitive games. Although on the flip side, City's City's Premier League games were pretty much friendlies anyway because they were they were pretty much secured in second place. I, I think yes and no. There's two things. Obviously, a lack of consistent match fitness. Um, is, is going to be an issue for these players. You know, they, again, they played the Coupe de la Ligue final on July 31st, and they played against Juventus last week. So there are, um, they've played two competitive matches at this point. Um, but at the same time, that's also, this layoff has also allowed them to get back um, Memphis Depay and Jeff Rennet Laid. Uh, you know, Memphis uh, has six goals and six appearances in this competition this season. You know, I think if there's one player who can be a catalyst, who can be a so-called X factor for Leon, it's going to be Memphis Depay. Um, and Ren Adelaide is probably unlikely to start the match, but I think he is a player who can add something. He's got uh, a good eye for goal, real passing now. So he's really, um, really come on and leaps and bounds since go- going back to France after a spell with Arsenal. Uh, so I think having those two players back in the fold allows Leon to have more attacking options again, especially with these five, with this idea of five substitutions. Um, and I think that that could be a real boon for them because those options off the bench weren't necessarily something they would have had, um, particularly in the absence of those two had this match been played uh, when it was originally scheduled to have been. 
Now, you mentioned uh, as well earlier on that, that Leon had beaten City last season and, and got a draw in, the, uh, in, in what was City's away game in, in the group stage. Um, how, how different is the team from, that, from those two games, uh, this current team now? Uh, to be honest, not a whole lot. Um, I, I think that the, the only... I think that there, there's been the arrival of Bruno Guimaraes, uh, the um, Brazilian midfielder who's, who's really impressed since, since arriving uh, in, in January. Um, there's also been the emergence of Maxence Cacare, who's a, a box-to-box midfielder who's likely to start as well. Um, so those are positive, positive developments. I think that uh, the team missed Luca Tussar, who's a, who's a defensive midfielder who uh, was transferred to Hertha Berlin and, and is not, has not been allowed, unfortunately, to uh, see out this campaign with Leon. He had been loaned back to them after the transfer was finalized, but um, he's with Hertha now. Um, so I, it is it is frankly the same team. It's it's a different manager in Rudy Garcia. Um, so I think that there's a little bit more caution tactically with the way Garcia sets out his stall uh, compared to Bruno Genesio. But I think that by and large, um, you still have a great deal of solidity in midfield, uh, a defense that's that's looking more consistent. And you also have you know, players like Memphis Depay, Hussam Awar, who can, who have the individual talent to turn a game on their own. Memphis Depay, of course, uh, known to City fans for his spell at Manchester United, where he, he probably wasn't uh, as successful as he would have wanted to be. Um, who else should City fans be, be wary of in this Leon team? I mean, Awar is, is a really tremendous player. Uh, I think that, that he you know, doesn't have the goal scoring return that might catch the eye statistically, but uh, he had a really lovely finish against uh, RB Leipzig uh, in the in a draw to allow Leon to qualify in, on match day six this season. Um, you know, very skillful on the ball, really impressive. Um, I, I think those two are obviously the biggest threats, but I think that overall, I think Anthony Lopez is a fantastic keeper. There are, you know, and this is not hyperbole. He's he's one of the finest reflex keepers in the world. He's made some really spectacular saves in these two matches back, and I think that he could be the difference. Uh, in in a, in a in what in a, if it's a close match, I think that also the emergence of Max Tonskakere is has been really impressive. He's twenty years old, an academy product, plays as a box to box midfielder. Uh, he's very combative in the tackle, um, very physical, but he he's also someone who has really a, an incredible vision. He's a very quick thinker, so he's able to shift the ball very very quickly to to allow Leon to turn defense into attacks. So I think he's one to watch as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I would say those those would be the players I, I, I would be looking at. Um, Maxwell Cornet, who's well known for scoring goals against City, will probably be playing as a left-sided wingback. That's likely Leon are likely to line up in a three-five-two, so he is a threat as well. Um, even if he's not going to be playing as close to goal as he would have been done in those two matches last season. How how do you see Leon setting up for this one? Because I think that the big worry that a lot of City fans will have is, is that Leon will operate quite defensively and and look to, to to stop City from getting through. Because the number of times City have played this season, where they've come up against a, a really well organised and well marshaled defence and not been able to get through, it has caused them problems at times. Where where open games they've they, they've not had as many problems. Is that likely to be how Leon are going to approach this? Yeah. Again, and this it is is my opinion that for the third match in a row since the the restart, Rudy Garcia will line his team up in a three five two, um, and that's with uh, Cornet, who's not who's been sort of converted into a left sided uh, wing back. He was more of an attacking player in seasons past. Uh, Leo Dubois on the opposite flank, and then a three man midfield, 
and, and two strikers, one of whom will be Depay, the other is likely to be Carl Toko Akambi, uh, who, you know, is, is a veteran presence. He's got a lot of pace and ability to stretch play and, and press. He's a, uh, people in, in the UK may be more familiar with Musa Dembele, who is Leon's leading scorer this season. Um, and Dembele is a, a great player, but he, in playing this sort of system, he's more likely to be left on the bench as he operates as more of a target man rather than sort of more dynamic forward that the sort of system requires. Do you think it'll be um, a, a, a much more even game than we were expecting, largely because it is one leg at a neutral venue as well? It's, it's, it's kind of it changes the dynamic of, of, of how the, the game could be played, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, we can't underestimate this. You know, there'll be a level of edginess for all the teams. I think based on the situation, I think that you know. For me, I think Leon see this as a free hit. You know, Toko Kambi again talking in his press conference this morning was saying, we see this as an avenue to be back in the Champions League. Leon believe very firmly that they're here on merit and they have every chance of, of taking something from, well, taking something from this game, of progressing uh, in this match. And I think, I think that that's something that, you know, can't be understated and it is uh, really impressive on their part. This is the Blue Moon Podcast, facebook.com forward slash blue moon podcast eric devin explaining the challenges against leon there um am i am i alone alan in this one in feeling really nervous about this game of course you're not of course you're not um we all have a degree of typical city running through our veins i mean even if we win even if we uh won this one with a shed load of goals i would still be tweeting worried hashtag typical city because five minutes to go but seriously i think we do have need to worry about this. they're already outplayed us twice i was gonna say jack this is the team that got four points off city in the champions league group last season and it, uh, should, it should have been six as well yeah i mean it's also a team that also a team that's finished seventh in the french division this year uh obviously that, that got completely scrapped in it so they couldn't finish the season per se but uh and they lost Ndombele who was massive for them. They lost Phil and Mendy, the left-back to Real Madrid. He was massive for them. And there was and they've not got Fakir anymore. So they're a little bit of a... They are a different side to the one that um, beat City last last year. And sh- to be honest, yeah, they should have won. They should have won in Lyon as well. Um, there was, they missed a hatful of chances that night, uh, Lyon did. So, that, yeah, it's... City should beat them but I think the uh, I think it might be a bit of a struggle just because of the circumstances around it I mean they should beat Leon Leon aren't good enough to make a, a Champions League semi-final you'd rather despite have the Juve yeah despite I, the Juve result I was going to say that you'd rather have Leon than Juventus Alan or, or does it does a less open game actually worry you given City's weaknesses this season well I think <sighs> As I say, I I'm not I'm not a fan of comparison shopping between um, the two sides because either one of them could have got through to the the quarterfinals, and here we are with Leon, and you have to start with the presumption they're good enough to be there. And um, I have a fear about this game, and the fear is that we're going to be counter we're we're going to be up against a counter attacking side. Um, that's often, not City's forte this season. No, at not all. at all. Not at all. And we've seen we've seen a lot of that this season. Where if you can break down, the, if you can break down the defence 
and make the counter-attacking side chase the game, then we're home and dry. But the longer it goes on without us breaking it down, the more dangerous it becomes and the less focused City become because they feel they're not controlling the game. And, you know, at that point, then, the, yes, the errors do creep in. The two ties that, or the two games that City have played recently, Jack, that, that scare me for this one more than anything else is Southampton and Arsenal because those were two games where it looked like City could play all day and never score. Yeah, well, it's a... The old thing, and if they don't score in the first twenty, then it becomes a little bit of a slog, doesn't it? Um, I just think, I just think this is very black and white. This game, if you, if they can't get past Leon, they don't deserve to do anything in the competition. They couldn't have asked for a better quarter final because with look at um, Atalanta when they went out against PSG, Atalanta were brilliant. Um, I just don't just don't think Leon. Uh, I know it sounds awful to say that I don't think they're good enough to be where they are because obviously they've got past Juventus but I just if they can't do it it's very simple if they can't get past them then they don't deserve to get past them no no they don't Um, so it's one of those it is one of those typical city it would be one of those typical city things wouldn't it in the fact that you know they've knocked out the 13 time champions <laughs> beating them both t- in both legs and then they go out to Lyon who finished almost mid table in the French league does it does it change the dynamic jack that it's a a one off game and not a two legged tie i don't know quite a lot of people have asked me this the last few weeks i maybe i should know but i don't i don't know whether it's going to change it or not because city's downfall in the past 3 seasons in the champions league has been capitulate defensive capitulations over the course of 10 15 minutes and they haven't been able to um they haven't been able to get back into the game sufficiently uh after after that um so in that sense you'd say actually maybe they prefer two legs gives them more time to correct those yeah mistakes. but then again but then you then you the ov- They've got more time for the mistakes in the first place. Oh, that's they? true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they, like they, we can't have feel, it both ways. <laughs> but it feels like the obvious answer would be to say yes, a, a one-legged game does suit City because that feels the the most obvious, the, ov- the obvious answer to give. But then, if you look at the way, I don't. I, yeah, you know what I said before when I said I don't know. It's just that. Yeah, <laughs> I've no idea. We are. Well, we're, we are in the unknown, really, aren't we? Absolutely. This is this this format is is it's a one off. Well, it's it's going to be fascinating, but ultimately, it's it's very difficult to call and predict how the course of a course of a quarter final or a semi final for the Champions League will go over just ninety minutes. You know, there's this. Will there be the um, the time for the sort of slower, more measured play that? Um, seems to characterise European ties at times. Yeah. I'm not sure there will be. Will it change the will it change the tempo of the game completely? Could I mean could it even be a case of the fact that City know Leon have had a gruelling ninety minutes against Juventus to, to to get themselves here. That City go all guns blazing in the opening opening few minutes. I mean I I'm just gonna come on to the selection side of things. Uh because Mendy's now available again. I'm not aware of any of any injuries. We'll hear from Guardiola in the in the build up on Friday. Um 
So, I mean, like, do you play Mendy or do you stick with Cancelo? Because like, Mendy can get down the line and get some cracking deliveries into the box. Yes, he can. He can. Uh, Mendy is, of course, an enigma, isn't he? He is... Um... I mean, he he does have that capability of moving forward. I think he's a he's a better player um, for the purpose. I think on um, against Leon, I believe that we he he might well have the speed to help break things down, and uh, we've got that extra option. Um, so, so I think that uh, I think that possibly Mendy. If he does, if his leg doesn't fall off or something like that, which is so often happens these days, um, he's he's going to be good for that that ninety that ninety minutes. I don't I don't think that um, I don't think we'll suffer too much from swapping Cancelo out. And I think they both are options as we as we think about as we think about possibly you know, marshalling our resources for a possible semi final. Would it be Fernandinho alongside Laporte again, Jack? Do you think? Yeah, I'd probably just st- stick with Fernandinho. Um, I mean, it'd be it'd be great if, in an ideal world, you'd want to play Stones next to Laporte, wouldn't you? Um, because he's the obvious fit to play next to Laporte the way he play it. Like, and when he's when his head's right, is it can be a magnificent defender. Liverpool last season is proof of that, but. The way it's going, you obviously can't throw him in. So, and there's the Eric Garcia situation. So it's gonna. I think it's gonna have to be Fernandinho. Um, I was gonna say, in terms of of the way we're living at the moment, I think ideal world is such a long way off, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, with Mendy, just going back to Mendy briefly, he's the best left back at the club. No matter what you think of his performances, he is the best left back the club own. So therefore, has to play. And if there are mistakes or problems that arise because of that, then you kind of got to live with it because he is the best they've got. What do you reckon to the front three, Alan? Are you looking at uh, something similar to Madrid? I mean, even even the middle three as well as the midfield, it, it could just play the same as Madrid: Foden, Sterling, Jesus, uh, Gundogan, Rodri, De Bruyne. Yeah, could well he uh, could well do. I, mean, I thought I thought Gundogan had a lovely understated game against Madrid on Friday. I thought that was really good. I would have him. I would have no problems in in fielding a um, that combination again. I thought it was excellent. I thought they worked very very well together. I thought they they had a mutual understanding that was absolutely superb. And uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, why not? Why not play them again? It's a little bit of stability up front. They're gelling well together, and it must scare the living daylights out of many a team to see that sort of talent ranged against them. Any room, though, for, for, for Bernardo and Mahrez, Jack? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Um, I think, you, I think you've got to play Foden. Gives them more energy. Uh, City generally look better when Foden plays, whether he's having a good game or not. I think um, people uh, feed off him quite, quite nicely. It doesn't matter whether he plays in midfield, left wing, or as he did briefly on Friday through the middle. Um, on form, I think he deserves deserves to be that. I don't think Bernardo in particular deserves a place on form. Mares can probably would consider himself uh, slightly unfortunate, but that's that's why you have such a strong squad for situations like this, and people are going to miss out. 
It's life um, at, a, at a club like City, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny, like what you were saying about Gundogan. I had to do the, uh, I was doing the player ratings on Friday night, but obviously wasn't at, wasn't at the, at the ground. So I had to do them off the telly and it got to about 55 minutes in. I'm thinking, ah, I've not even spotted, good, noticed Gundogan at all. So I don't know what I'm going to say about him. And then you're thinking, actually, no, that's exactly like when Gundogan's at his best, when you don't notice him. He's obviously had a very, very good game because he's just done everything really quietly and allowed the main kind of protagonist to get on with it. And he uh, shuffles possession their way with minimal fuss. Yes. So unshowy. Mm. Yeah. So, so essential. Yeah. Well, it's time to get some predictions on the board. William Hill is giving each of the panel a £10 correct score single, and the winnings are going to the Christie, a cancer hospital in Manchester. Last week's correct 2-1 prediction by me added uh, £70 to the total for the season, bringing it to 1,030. So uh, we passed the 1,000 barrier, so uh, the the pressure's off, everybody. That's my target for every season, so uh, the pressure's off. I'm going to start this one because uh, I've gone for a 3-1 City win uh, in 90 minutes, this is. And uh, that's 9-1 to one and £90 pounds if I'm right. Alan, what are you having? I'm having 2-1. I fancy Ginger Kev to get one. 2-1 uh, is 15-2 uh, and £75. Pounds. We're not putting any extra on the goal scorers. Sorry about that. And uh, Jack, what have you gone for? Uh, I'm trying to earn you a lot of money. So <laughs> I'm going to go 2-2 on a City win after extra time. Well, it doesn't matter about the after extra time bit, but if uh, if it's two two at ninety minutes, it's twenty to one and uh, two hundred pounds if you're right. Ooh. So, uh, in a way, fingers crossed. But in another way, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, no. God, I hope not. Uh, you got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change, and for more on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Well, that brings to an end our first podcast looking at this Champions League mini tournament in Lisbon. So let's hope that on the next show we'll be looking ahead to a tie with either Barcelona or Bayern Munich, and that one of our scores comes in on the charity bet as well because of the timings of these games we'll also have another show for you early next week probably on Tuesday but I haven't made my mind up yet Uh, but we'll have to wait and see because it all depends on how the team does if you've enjoyed the show don't forget to give it a rating and a review in all the usual places and tell your City fan friends to give us a listen as well you can also sign up to be a Patreon backer at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast although we aren't charging backers for August as we're doing no bonus shows at the moment but you can still listen to all of our previous episodes on a range of City topics on there again just check out patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast thanks to my guests this week jack gorn thank you mate and to alan phoenix bates it's been a pleasure i'll be back early next week so i'll see you then that was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast